I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit AbyssBattery.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Welcome everybody to the Full Scale Outdoors Podcast. I am Dale Luganbill and thank you very much for joining me. All right, it is quickly becoming ice fishing season and in fact this uh coming weekend i'm sure a fair amount of people are going to be out if after thanksgiving you're just gonna it's it's all gonna matter of how far north you have to go to find safe ice um, but it's it's happening quick i got a good report today uh from the Ottertail county area where they were doing some scouting and checking out um surrounding lakes they found anything from five inches already to you know some lakes only an inch and a half so be really careful if you guys head out take all the necessary precautions um you're gonna want to have your little ice sticks around your neck go with a buddy do not go alone go ahead and bring a length of rope um i know a lot of people are using the you know their ice suits are float suits and that that's great if you don't have a float suit you know don't be embarrassed to actually throw a life preserver on as you're trouncing out around there and a spud. Check the ice as you go. If, if you do it safely, you do it smart. Um, no, we don't want to see anybody going in the ice. So first and foremost, if you if you are unfamiliar with ice safety, um, watch some YouTube videos on it. Um, even there's, there's some good videos out there on how to get out if you do fall in. Um, and obviously we hope that doesn't happen, but that's probably something you should watch that video as well, just to um, familiarize yourself with it in the extreme and terrible chance that it does happen. You will be prepared and know how to get out of it. But with that said today, my guest is a fishing guide and he specializes in giant panfish, bluegills and crappies in the Ottertail County area. Um, he has multiple guides that work for him under his guide name. His name is Jesse Thalman. And, uh, yeah, I would say a fair amount of you probably are familiar with them. You've seen them on social media. They, they, they catch some absolute giants. And um, in, in the state where walleye is king, uh, it's pretty impressive that he has built this successful panfish guide uh, business. So I had a great conversation with him. Super easy guy to talk to. It was a lot of fun. You guys are enjoying So, Let's get into it. This is Jesse Thalman on the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. 
here we go, boys. Go. Ooh, I love that sound. This is a good one. How we doing, Dale? Good, how are we? Oh, well, pretty good. Pretty good. You should be pretty good, because you texted me or messaged me. I just got off the ice. Not sure yes. I've ever heard... I'm not, not sure I've heard uh, a man say better words to me ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time coming, right? Oh, my God. We've been kind of waiting for this. People have been jonesing, and it happened fast. Like... Yeah, once we once we actually had some cold weather to make the ice, it actually happened really fast. I mean, we went from nothing to three inches just like that. So. Well, I know a bunch of people were worried because it was so windy last week. Um, they're like, mm -hmm. oh, I don't know if this is gonna, you know, it's gonna break up the ice we have or whatever. I was, I was like, no, I, this this is this is good because it's mixing up the water, and Correct. you're not getting yep. any stratification. It's like at the the lake is going to be all one temperature and all we need is one good cold clear exactly night, so it, it's, it's almost it like it's almost like prepping the lake right like so it gets it gets almost ready so when you do have that cool night when there's no wind it'll just freeze just like that and that's what we that's what that's exactly what happened so we had a calm night the other night well actually the last two nights the winds kind of like lied down and it locked up and we started making ice so yeah and it doesn't take long to get you know what enough inches to walk on you know it's like a like the bartender in his shaker you know that's the ice in the shaker is not what you're gonna drink you know he's just mm -hmm. cooling down that drink so when he pours mm -hmm. it over your your glass nice rock glass and a big chunk of ice doesn't melt your ice it's perfect that's, that's what, exactly right that's what yep. the wind was doing mm -hmm. <laughs> making yep. it good old-fashioned <laughs> yeah it, it 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 actually it actually lined up perfectly. You know what I mean? So. It did. See, I know. I almost feel like I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop because it's it set up almost too perfect. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Here, it's like, you know, yeah, exactly. Now we'll get a bunch of snow here in the next week. Yeah, that's that's the worry because you know, <laughs> all the ice heads were talking, you know, because we had the Hard Water Expo this past weekend and they're like, oh, if we could just get, you know, eight, 10 inches of really good ice before we get any snow. And I'm like, yeah, some snow would be nice, like two inches, then get one nice warm day where it like, compresses and melts, oh yes and yep. then it gets cold again and so it freezes that top layer so now you got a good walking surface and you're not slipping i was gonna say ass. yep you're not <laughs> exactly that's exactly it it was uh i almost fell a couple times today because it's just all clear ice right now okay, right you're now. gonna you're gonna need cleats mm-hmm right yeah cleats are your best friend right now yep well what did you find did you find anything good out there you know we we were uh just honestly we we were just finding what lakes we could get on as of right now. So we sure. literally got onto a lake, would go to our spots, make sure we could get there safely, and we would leave. And then we'd go to the next lake and do the same thing. So we didn't really fish all that much today. We were just kind of prepping, I guess, in a sense, for our season and just finding out what lakes are accessible right now. And what, and, were, you, uh, what were you finding for uh, ice thickness? So we found, you know, there were a couple lakes that had up to as much as, so I guess a couple lakes had as much as five inches, okay? Wow. Um, four and a half to five inches, like five inches max. 
Um, and then, but the majority of them, that was probably only two or three. Okay. And then we, we, we probably checked a dozen lakes today. The other ones were all sitting at about one and a half to two. You know, some of them were one and a half. We didn't dare go on the other ones that were, you know, two, two and a quarter. We could get, you know, we could go, you know, very cautiously, obviously. And we're wearing our, all our safety precautions and everything, but, um, we were able to go out and, and, uh, get out on that. So, yeah, I suppose it should and, say and it's good. Disc- it's good. Clear ice right now. So, I mean, the ice is strong, right? We should say um, a good disclaimer here. Like we're not, we're not, uh, you know, suggesting everybody rush it and go out there. No, willy nilly, no. you know, like definitely take no, your, and we're not, we're not. So like I run a guide service. We're not taking customers out right now. We're literally, it's just our guides going out, checking spots, because we need to be ready for when the season starts. So um, we do potentially have trips starting at the end of this week. Um, we got some cold nights ahead of us here, so hopefully that'll that'll probably boost us up to four to five inches, and we'll be plenty good to start. So. Yeah, I mean that's you know all the DNR charts. You know, five inches it'll say for a four wheeler even. So it's it's definitely we- plenty to walk out. Oh, absolutely. You know, and and that's just it. Once we get to that walking stage. Um, it's not much more than a couple of days that we're already to wheeler stage. You know right. I mean? It just happens so fast, you know? Yeah. Well, I um, think wheelers aren't really, I mean, well, it depends on, you know, if you got a 800 or a, you know, 350 or whatever on your snowmobiles, but the weight on them really isn't that much. They don't weigh no. that much. No. And in, and the weight is spread out too. spread out. Yeah. I was just going to say that with, with four tires and you got the weight kind of spread out. So, yeah, it's uh, you know I have no problem taking it out on five when it's good, nice, clear ice. You know. Yeah, well, and that's that's the key too. I think it's important to point out to some people that, um, a it clear ice is just like the best. You can because you can see it. You know, you can mm-hmm. see where there's an issue or it might be not as good. And if you're going out and you check an ice with your spud, um, you'll see it crack. You'll see you know you can just see it so much better than even you know you put a um an inch of snow in there and it gets a little sketchier because you're like, you oh, don't, you absolutely. Don't know I would rather you. be, you know, especially come first ice, you know, when you're first going on those first lakes, you would rather have it nice and clear so you could see where you're walking. I mean, you get even the dusting of snow on there, right? You don't know what you're stepping into. Oh. So you could hit that spot where there's, I don't know, muskrats underneath that have been, you know, right. I mean, for example, just there's just different instances where you just got to be careful. You know where where certain things will will make certain spots thinner than the rest of the lake. You know, oh, and when think... when it's nice and clear, you can see that spot. And the reason I said muskrat is because we we ran, we we ran into that today. Oh, so. it happens definitely, especially if you're going out in some like smaller uh, lakes or bays that are surrounded by cattails, and you're going to have a lot of. Those, mm-hmm. uh, yep, there was houses runs. right there, and you could see his path exactly oh, yeah. where he's you know the bubbles. traveling <laughs> in and out, and and the bubbles, and exactly, and you could tell where it was was definitely thinner than than the rest of the spots we were walking on. So, right. what, were you out there with Scott? Was he? Yeah, I mean, was yep, he drooling yep. over those runs? <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was. You know, he he had some. We were there scouting spots, obviously for for our guide service, but. Um, you know, he had some traps in his truck, and he was pretty tempted to uh, <laughs> to, to set one and see if it was uh, if if we got one by the time we got off the line. I bet, so. I bet. Um, the but, other thing too, it's like, and you, it's you and your guide. So these are these are experienced, skilled people that know how to read ice. Um, I, I bring yes. that up because I saw a Facebook post, or, or it wasn't a post; it was a somebody posted that they were on the ice, you know, and then a comment in there was like. Basically, 
you know, you're the problem, why people go out on the ice too early. And it's like, I, I get what that person's saying, but it might be a little extreme because you don't know the skill level. That, that's like saying if I went and I watched the X Games and saying you're the reason why kids get concussions because they go out and try to ride a dirt bike. You know, it's like right. there, there's a big difference between but Tony Hawk on a skateboard a and, you know, a Joe Schmo. Like, right, exactly. And, and, but I, I also see the fact, like, if, if a guy were, let's say, I myself were out on early ice, like today, you know, and then I jumped on social media and I was like, hey, guys, we're out there. Get out there. You know, go, 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 go. You know, ice is safe. Let's, you know, and 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 pushing people to go out when, you know, obviously not all ice is the well, same and everything he, like that. And that guy's post wasn't that. It just said, I made it out. It wasn't like, let's go. Let's everybody. Right, yeah. Everybody rushed your favorite lake. You know, exactly. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't exactly. a call to action. The person was just pointing out they got out. And Exactly. You know, so yeah, and you know, you know, like I said, it's uh, everyone. Everyone nowadays reads everything different, you know. Right. Well, I'm. I mean, it's the internet, so there's always going to be someone who's going <laughs> to have some sort of snide comment to say, and it's just I, that's just what the internet is for, apparently. Exactly. Say, say negative stuff, but oh, that's. I'm pretty stoked. We got a we got a trip to North Dakota coming up this after Thanksgiving. Pretty jacked. Nice. About how that. far? How far? Oh. You're going way up there, aren't you? Yeah, Turtle Mountains, which is yes. pretty stoked. Yes. A, because of you know giant gills, hopefully. But it, it's been a destination trip that we've been talking about for years. Mm-hmm. And uh, stars are just kind of aligning this year to actually make it happen. So, And you're going to have to say hi. I think you're seeing Clayton Davis. Yes. Am, I, am I right? Yep. Yes. Yep. Say hi to him for me. Yeah, I have like a, a laundry list of people to say hi to him for. <laughs> <laughs> I bet, I bet. I mean, he has quite the following, and and and, he does. and, and he really for does. and for good reason. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Me and him have uh, always, you know, talked for a long time. You know, obviously, both of us have a big passion for big bluegills, so we've shared that passion with each other through messages, through you know, just talking, and and we've always, you know, he's always wanted to come here and fish in my area with me, and I've always wanted to go out there with him. It's just. We just got to make it happen. We just haven't yet. So. Right. And uh, yeah. But and I am jealous that you are making the trek out there and get to do that. So <laughs> getting, I look forward to seeing your pictures. I'm getting that from a lot of people. <laughs> like, you son of a bitch. Right. <laughs> it's like, yep. well, yeah, I guess I had that same jealousy when I hear of other people going out there. But it's exactly. Uh, it'll be nice when we, we can go out there too when it's not 30 below zero and three feet of ice. You know, that's, yeah. that's going to be nice too. But You know, and hitting that early ice bite, it should be. You know, in theory, it should be really good. Right. You know? I, and honestly, I have no idea what we're going to walk into when we get up there as far as, like, what the fishing's like. Um, but it's going up there for giants. You know, it's like if, if I catch one fish, but that fish you, you, is, like, a 12-inch bluegill, it's going to be totally worth it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's what, it, you know, that's the other thing I tell guys, too. You know, trophy fishing is a lot more different than regular fishing, right? Right. Like, when you go trophy fishing, you got to understand that you're you're maybe going to catch one fish, you know, and 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 that fish is probably going to be worth it, right? But but that's part of the game of trophy fishing, you know, versus just going out and catching a whole bunch, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I I you know we we kind of specialize in in trophy panfish, I guess, on our end. So we get a lot of guys that you know understand that you know when they come with us and we're we're really going after the biggest of the bigs. You know that we we have a chance of striking out, you know, and um, you also have a chance of getting 
a two pound bluegill. So, I mean, it's just, you know, it comes with the territory, you know? So <laughs> it, two uh, pound bluegill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh shit. My pants. <laughs> yeah. When you see that come up, it's yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, man. uh, I'm the same way. I hope I can get that thing on a schoolie rod. I'll just. Oh, yes. That would be fun. You better, you (laughs) might might want to bring a a GoPro or something, get some video, right? It's, it's happening. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) It it will, it will happen. Well, I mean, I won't know about the catching of the giant fish, but the the GoPro (laughs) is, will happen. It'll be there just in case it happens, right? Exactly. Exactly. No, for sure. So how long have you been doing the guide business? So we've been, um, we, I've, I started the business probably seven, seven years ago now. Okay. Gosh, it seems like it's just flown by too. It, yeah, it's a, uh, I love the content that you put out. Like it's the big fish, you know, big fish porn basically. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it's like when we started the business, um, trophy pan you know we live in panfish country so i mean they they actually call it panfish paradise up here in ottertail county um so uh, one niche that we thought was would be really good is, is to 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 capitalize on that right so i mean we're in panfish country let's capitalize that let's let's make a business and and, and do that and it's just it's flourished you know um there's no other guy that i know in in Minnesota that exclusively like focuses on trophy panfish. Right. Um, so it's something that we kind of built a, a niche in, in the market for, and it's, it's been awesome. It's been nothing but good. We've been growing rapidly and, uh, and, uh, it's been, it's been nothing but good. And that is impressive. Um, because in the state where walleye is King and it, Ottertail County is is no shortage of great walleye lakes and even destination lakes like Ottertail, um, mm-hmm. you know, Battle and lakes like that. But um, I am attempting to pretty much do the same thing down here, closer to the cities. Um, right. I'm, I've, I'm very open about. It. I'm not. I'm not a walleye guy. It's, I just mm-hmm. don't really find much interest in chasing them. Uh, I don't mind ice fishing for them, oddly enough. But I just. I, it's panfish for me that that's what really floats my boat if you will uh gets me fired up and uh that's mm-hmm. kind of what i guide for down here and uh yeah yes. the phone isn't exactly ringing up the hook uh <laughs> <because> <laughs> people find out you know i'm a guide and they'll be like oh god you know what are we fishing for and i tell them they're like oh did you do any walleyes no but i can <laughs> yep. recommend you to some people <laughs> right and right. I guess I'm just, you know, and I know some people will say that's foolish, and, um, but it's, it's what I want to do. So it's like, I'm not to that state, like, I'm not going to starve if I don't book a trip, you know? So it's like, right. I'm just going to keep grinding it out and, and do what I do and hopefully, you know. I think, you know, and trips. I think, I think too, and, and I get this a lot too, like, you know, guys are like, what, you you guide for panfish, you know, you know, and, and it's like, really, you know, and, and, and they, and they're thinking, and, and when they're thinking panfish, they're thinking like little tiny sunfish, you know, that, right. that are a nuisance when they're going walleye fishing or, or, you know what I mean? That you can just go out and cast a bobber and catch, you know, five, six inch bluegills. Well, you know, luckily where we live up here in, in this country, we have, so 
I guide all over Ottertail County. Ottertail County has 1,040 lakes in this county alone. So we have more lakes than any other county in the United States, which is an awesome stat to have. That is really um, so good we stat. just have a ton of options, um, a ton of lakes with nice bluegills on it. Um, so the bluegills that we're getting, I mean, on average, I mean, our average bluegills are sitting at eight to nine inches, you know what I mean? And then we're getting, you know, the tens and then even up to 11, even mm-hmm. up to 12s, you know, as the bonus big ones mixed in. Right. You know, so, and, and don't get me wrong, not all our lakes have those, right. Actually, actually there's probably more lakes in this County that don't have them that do right. have them. Yeah. Oh, well, for sure. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's just, you know, when, Obviously, you know, the DNR is doing a really good job of, 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 of realizing that, Hey, where are all our big bluegills going? And they're, they're, they're actually, you know, started last year. They're making a huge push for the, you know, the bluegill limits and everything like that. So there was like 20, I think there was, don't, don't quote me on this, but I want to say there was like 20 lakes, you know, in Ottertail County that all got reduced limits this year, you know? So our bluegills went from 20 to five. Um, and, or 10, I guess five or 10, um, which I'm all supportive of, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, I think, I think a part of that is realizing that, Hey, our bluegills are being over harvested. Um, everyone's taking the big bluegills. So, you know, when, once they're gone, they're gone, you know, and, and we're starting to realize that, you know? Um, and, and I have a couple of points on that. Like I, I'm very interested to see, interested to see how these lakes are going to respond with that reduced mm-hmm. limit mm-hmm. um and w- with that said i you know I, i'm yelling at the wall or preaching to the choir i'm sure but um we don't always have to lean on the dnr or the state to change regulations you know um i like to promote you know it just don't keep the don't keep the giants, you know, selective harvest. Is the, oh, absolutely. The, the term I was trying to find. And yeah. it's like, yep. because I, sometimes, and, and some people have argued like they don't think the lower limit is smart because then you have a better chance of stunting some of these lakes if not enough bluegills get taken out. And I get that argument and there might be some validity to it, but we'll have to wait and see, you know, mm-hmm. and, and what I would just tell all the people out there is like, well, if your lake doesn't have these regulations on it, yet and you don't want to see you know reduced bag limits well then just take it upon yourself and then you know try to promote that with your friends and family and and just network to let those bigger ones go you know you can oh, anything absolutely. over nine just let it go you know absolutely. personally for that's me the, eight and a half is kind of my ceiling for keeping that's know? the you know that is the golden rule too you know i mean you know throw the nines back keep your eights I, that's what i tell customers all the time you right. know eight to nines going the live well nine plus let's take a picture let's throw them back let's keep those genetics in the lake you know and especially up here like i said and i keep saying this you know we're in panfish country these bluegills are not your typical bluegills our bluegills have shoulders our bluegills are yeah, tall our bluegills are built you know i mean they're <laughs> fat so you get you know you you put that eight eight and a half inch on your on your on your table and, and clean that up you're gonna have a really nice fillet you know what i mean mm-hmm. i mean you could even you know get by with a seven you know what i mean so you can even clean oh, i mean i sure. even clean seven inches and oh, get for sure. plenty of meat off it you know um now granted i've been cleaning fish my whole life so i mean right. um yeah, but yeah. still i mean uh, the average guy could could get a decent meal off seven inch yeah and right? it, you, i so. mean honestly for for myself like if i kept i think i've done it you know when you, when you 
when you keep fish and you, and you make a plate, it's like one person will basically eat four bluegills. Mm-hmm. You know, so exactly. you, you don't have to keep, you know, not each person needs to keep their limit. Right. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. And 20, 20, I mean, you, you know, I mean, before obviously, you know, me running a guide service, we, we, you know, some customers want their limit. So our, we go and get them the limit, but right. you know, you know, last year when the limit was 20, I mean, if I had three guys, that's 60 bluegills, you right. know what I mean? Like yep. it, they don't need 60 bluegills. I mean, I mean, granted, I know, you know, they got family, then, but probably maybe a big fish fry, you know, I get certain instances like sure. that, but We're, just which uh, is talking fine about too. the average I, I guy wanna... that goes out there and is taking 20 bluegills every single day. Right. right? And that's the thing is like, I want to be clear. Like I'm, I'm not dogging that. Like take, take your limit if you, if you can. And you know, if you know you're going to eat them, that's fine. Right. Um, but, the other thing I think a lot of people either don't know or choose just to ignore is that your daily limit and your possession limit are the same thing. Same. Exactly. So if you keep exactly. 20 and fish, do you have 20 bluegills and you eat four of them? So you you only, yeah, yeah. You can only get four the next day. Yeah. If you go fishing the next day, you put the rest in the freezer, you can only keep four. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. other, and if you don't, then you're, you know, you're double and triple and quadruple dipping. And, and I think, and I think that a lot of people think... do that. I think I think that is one thing that is way overlooked. People don't realize that that's switched. People are still on the two to one mentality, right? You know that we all grew up on, right? You know you could have one in the freezer and you could still go get one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how many guys, even from Minnesota, that I get that come fishing with me and are like, well, um, that I have to correct them on that, like you know that they're still in that two to one mentality. So there's, I mean, I think that. I think there's a yeah, lot of guys saying. that just don't realize that it got switched. And I don't even know. I couldn't even tell them exactly what year that got switched down to, to one-to-one. Um, but I do know that, you know, for the past several years, it's been one-to-one, you know? Yeah, I don't even know when the year was either. But, and that, I mean, that would be kind of important. You know, if you have a um, somebody that books you for two days straight and you they got their limit the one day and they're ready to go get limits the next day, you're like, did you uh... – did you eat those yesterday? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You got to kind of, and that's one thing that it's kind of like, you got to like, it's one of those things where it's like, but I don't know what they did with them that night. Right. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not here to say that they didn't eat all 20 of them last night. Right. right. You're I not, obviously you're, know that they probably did it, right. officer. Yeah. but I'm not. Yeah, exactly. So my job is to go put them on fish. Right. right. Um, that's, it's, it's a real gray area for me because I, you know, deep down, I probably do know that, Hey, they didn't eat all forty bluegills they took last night. You know what I mean, right? Right, but it's their responsibility. But but again, after they leave my boat, it's it's on them, right? Like mm-hmm. so, on what I told all my guides, no matter what, you just make sure you're legal that day in your boat, and what they do outside of your boat after the trip, it's on them, right? Like so, right. you know what I mean? So right. Um, but we make sure that we are one hundred percent legal on a on our boat at all times. So. Yeah. That's important. And I just think having the conversation with the clients too about selective harvest is really important too. Oh yeah. And we, we, and all of our guides are all in that, you know, selective harvest, um, you know, put the big ones back and, and we, we, we promote that on our, on our guide trips. Well, I think you have a really good argument and a a good base to come from because if someone reaches out to you and they travel, they book a trip and they travel out to Ottertail County, depending on where they live, you know, it's probably a couple hours, you know, if you're coming from the cities. And um, so you've traveled all this way to book this trip. Why did you come out here? Because we're known for giant bluegills. How do we get giant bluegills? By selective harvest. Like if we just keep crushing these mm-hmm. giants, you're not going to, ha- you wouldn't be up here because we, exactly. wouldn't, we wouldn't have them. I mean, a right. great, for me, a great example of that is 
uh, one of my favorite lakes, Pelican Lake up in Orr, Minnesota. As you drive mm-hmm. into town, it says home of the giant bluegills. Well, there hasn't been giant bluegills in there for a long time because people just keep everything. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised that didn't get added to the list of lakes, to be honest. Right. Um, yeah, I'm surprised it didn't because all the all the lakes that are known for big bluegills, um, for example, in Ottertail County, for example, went down to five, mm-hmm. you know, or, or or I shouldn't say all of them, but a lot of the ones that are that are that are commonly known that you, that that people are typically known or that people know that are typically known for big bluegills. A lot of them that got reduced, and and honestly, in 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 what I can see so far, it's been good. Um, I know one lake I won't name it um, got hit super hard. Has big bluegills in it. Um, got super hit. You know, last year when it was 20, 20, 20 limit, there was probably twenty boats, twenty to thirty boats there every single day. I mean, it didn't matter if it was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Or in weekend, it, it was even more on the weekends. But even in the middle of the week, it was 20 boats a day, right? Um, and everyone was catching fish, and everyone was keeping their limits, and it, it just got annihilated, right? It's kind of well, it's kind of crazy when you think of just how many fish get taken out of a, a, a fishery or a watershed every year. You know, if we you did, really we stop did so, and think about it. You're like, holy crap! I didn't. I don't have my. We did some math about that on the boat. Uh, I was talking to some customers about it. You know, you figured there was there was 20. Let's say 20 boats a day there, right? Well, in May, June, and July, right? After July, June, July, it got kind of tough. So May, June, and July was awesome, right? There was 20 boats a day there. Um, and let's say each boat had, well, let's say on average, two people in the, each boat because some had one, maybe some had three. We'll say right. two on average. Well, two times, what are we doing now? So we got, what do we say? Um, 20 boats a day. 90 days of the 90 days because three months basically um i don't i can't i don't have the calculator yeah, in front of me, but like, anyways I, it was I like it, <laughs> it was like 100 it was like 150,000 bluegills you know what i mean like if let's see if here. if you did the math it was it was close to that so right, okay so we go 20 what do we what do we, i got a calculator pulled up here let's do it 20 20 boats a day 20 boats a day so we're going 20 times how many days uh let's go 30 60 90 90 days brings us to 1,800. And then we're going to times that by limits, fish. Yeah, by two, right? Two, two people per boat? Two people per boat. Or did we boat. already do that? Nope, we didn't do that. Okay. So we could just times that by two. All right. And then times 20, right? Yep. 72,000. Okay, so I must have did my math based on like 40 boats a day or something yeah. like that. Um, that's still so a lot, 70, <laughs> that's still a lot. Right. Oh, right. And, and, and honestly, that 20 is very conservative. There were dates, there were, there were days that there was way more than 20. Well, I mean, about, there was maybe 20 at one time, but they would cycle through. Right. Okay, so like, that's just summer, right? Think about winter. How many, I, I feel like there's more anglers on the ice than there are in boats. You know, luckily that's the thing that saves that lake is it's really tough in the winter. So no one really goes out there sure. in the winter. Well, so that, not, that's not, the one good thing. You're not considering people fishing out their dock or shore fishing. and Exactly. You know, exactly. But no, I would, I would see the, you know, the DNR officer would be there quite a bit, you know, doing real counts and everything like that, just because it was getting hit so hard, you know, at the time. And I would, I would ask, ask her every day, you know, how many, how many today, you know, and every day it'd be 20, 30, you know, 25, you know, I mean, it was, it was crazy, but luckily that lake went down to five this year. And now 
the most I've seen on that lake is probably 10 boats, maybe at one time, you know? So, I mean, it's, it, it, it really cut the number of people out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, and not only cutting down as the number of, of bluegills being taken too. Well, with our example, so that's what, what I just did with our example, we went 3,600 times 20 and then we got our 72,000. Yeah. Reducing that 20 to, to, oh, I did it wrong. I only did times four. So let's do uh 36 times five. That'd be the new limit. So that brings it from 72,000 down to 18,000. Right. That's a pretty big drop. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's that's a drop you're going to notice. Exactly. Hopefully, I think, anyways. And, and so, so that lake has always been a lake that cycles, right? So, like, my whole life, it's been at 20. It's always gotten hit hard because it's always been known for big bluegills, okay? So every – the one good thing it has going for it, it's very fertile. They grow really big. They grow really fast. Okay. Um, so it's a three year cycle by year three. They're super big. Right. And everyone's there and they just get wiped out and then they would start over. And then the fourth year or we back to year one, it, it would just be dead. No one would go there because the size got wiped out and you're, you're catching right. nothing yep. but like seven right. inches. Okay. Yep. Not the 10 inches you were catching the year before. Pressure dies down. Out. Lake mm-hmm. recovers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, year one, everyone quits going by year two. Well, then they're starting to get a little bit bigger and you're kind of the only one out there. And by year three, everyone finds out and then everyone's pounding it again. Right. Yeah. Like, um, so Pekegaba Lake in Pine city is, mm -hmm. is similar, you know, um, it recovers really fast and kind of that same cycle. Once word gets Mm -hmm. out that people are slaying, you know, big crappies and, and big bluegills, it's, it's so close to the cities that that lake just gets annihilated. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think your though, numbers would be vastly lake, um, smaller to what that right. lake would produce. You know? I think, though, that now with a five limit, though, we're going to consistently have those nice fish. We're not going to have those bad years, right? You're not going to have year one. You're not going to have year two. You're just going to have a consistent year two or three. You know what I mean? It's just going to be consistently good especially if people take on you know take the initiative to still practice selective harvest right so yeah you can't just go keep keep the biggest five right and and another thing is like you got to watch for is people calling right like you can only keep five so like oh all right i got my five let's try to get some bigger ones and and throw these ones back right well that's illegal you know um, and, and some people don't realize that too. That's another thing that people don't realize is that they, it's illegal to, to call like that. You know what I mean? So, um, I'm not sure it is. I mean, tournament, we do it in tournament angling. That is true. That is true. So what here, I mean, the only reason that here's, here's where, here's where it gets tricky. If you have your full limit, you can't call. Because, that's what I, I guess that's yeah, where I was going with that. That's if, where I was going with that. If, getting you have, five. if you have 10 fish in a bucket. If, yep. the, if the limit is 10 and you catch an 11th fish, you are now one fish over your possession. I mean, if you took right. it, you know, you, you have it and you're, you're rifling through that's, your, your bucket trying what, to find the one to swap out. You are one fish over your limit at that yep, moment. Exactly. So exactly. if you want to call, just make sure you only have nine or exactly. if it's five, four, or if it's 2019. You're right. You got me on that one. I was I was thinking of a full limits and the calling part of it. Yeah, know? I just wanted to be clear because to tournament angle, yeah. you know, bass fishermen do it. Uh, I'm a tournament exactly. pan fisherman. I, you know, fishing with Minnesota made. So 
and I am like, so like I, uh, like in our, in our guide service too, we don't allow that too much just because in the springtime, it's not bad. Right. Summertime when the water temps are super warm and you're throwing that blue gun, you're live. Well, and then right. you want to throw it back into the water. Day. It's not going to make it right? right. So it may swim off and you're like, Oh, it swam off. It's all good. It's gonna die again. If, you know you, if I mean? you're practicing that selective harvest and you're not, and you don't have a, a nine incher in there anyways, don't worry about it. You know, just keep the right. fish you're gonna keep to exactly. when you plan on killing it, and just don't worry about it. I mean, exactly. exactly. How much more meat are you gonna get off of well, a nine and a quarter people... versus an eight and a half? Not that much. Uh, one forkful, if that. <laughs> if not, That's I bet exactly not. I bet right. not even. You know, right? You know. So I tell it's, it's not worth it, but you know, guys, some. Some guys you really gotta like bang that in their head because they they're oh, like, no, they're... I, I want that bigger one, you know. Yep, that 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 is definitely deeply ingrained in a lot of people. That the bigger the bigger is better, and and it's and, and a lot of it's you know, and what I found out is you know a lot of that older generation that's the ones that have the, the tougher time with the mm-hmm. the selective harvest and the you know because they you know nothing against them it was just how they were raised right like back in the back in the day the mentality was to go fish for food right you didn't catch you didn't fish for sport. You, whatever you caught, you put in the basket and you took it home and you cooked it up for food, right? Oh, that just drove, so my, it, drove my dad absolutely nuts growing it, up when when they started putting in limits and and you know uh, slot limits on certain fish. It drove oh, yeah. him absolutely bananas to have to let a fish go. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I get that too. Like, especially like because like we have a pretty strict rule on on throwing those big ones back. So when we catch those big ones, and 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 it's usually like. It's usually like the son and the dad that are with me, right? And the son totally understands the game when he books the trip and everything like that. And so he catches a big one and we're taking pictures and then he goes to release it. The dad's like, what are you doing? You know, and he's yeah. like, what, what are you, you know, he's just all distraught, you know, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, so you, you, you see that and, and it's but, not that, even you know, all, and it's not even always the older generation though. I, I've, I've run into oh, no. a couple young guys that just, you know, it's kind of, I would say it's a generational thing. They have that mindset because their dad has that mindset and their grandpa has that mindset. You know, oh, they just have never yep. been influenced exactly. to see it in a more conservation-minded way. Exactly. And and a lot of that are, you know, it's the, the common saying is, you know, well, well, if I don't keep it, the next guy's going to. Right. You know what I mean? And not, not if the next guy doesn't catch it. Right. <laughs> you, know, it, it, you know, if everyone said that, it, you know, it's just, I hear that a lot, though. The the funny thing with my dad that I always joke is he used to um, he would also keep really little fish, which drove me nuts. Like he was he was a catch and grease fisherman, not a catch and release, a catch and grease. Catch and release. If he, if he catches grease. it, he's gonna eat it. And so he would yeah. be keeping like, in my opinion, way too small of sunfish because they're a pain to clean. But he would scale uh-huh. them. He's like, oh, you scale those, oh. you can get a lot of meat off them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, scale and, them and fry them whole. Yep, and then he'll then he'll say, "Oh, the this the, the DNR wants you to keep these little ones." All right. First of all, DNR doesn't care. Second, um, that I would be on board with that, Dad, if you didn't also keep the giants. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you keep everything, so that doesn't your argument doesn't hold any weight with me <laughs> right <laughs> that's funny oh man the, the, he and and if it wasn't for me to check him growing up like he would have been the guy to stockpile fish in his freezer 100 percent mm-hmm. like the yep. kids, i mean he was really old school i mean well he was old so <laughs> i mean but he was like he grew up in the era of not plenty so 
yeah, you you, you didn't yep. waste food and you didn't throw food away, you know. Like, exactly. I got I have some customers that come in and and they don't eat fish themselves. They hate fish, but they have to keep their limit. They it just it's ingrained in there and they'll mm-hmm. just go give it away to someone mm-hmm. they know, which is good. I mean, there's some people that 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 probably can't go fishing that they give them to mm-hmm. and that's great. But it's I just it's funny that they they those are the guys, you know they have to have their limit every single time you know it becomes a but, marker of success you know I think so I think so I think it's like almost like a, a, their trophy right like, sure you know we you got know, we I, got you 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 see that in um, waterfall hunting or even you know pheasant hunting or anything like that it, it's kind of that limits you know oh we got our limit mm-hmm. and um, there was an argument with that uh, I don't know if you hunt at all but. Just to draw the analogy, they upped the Canada goose limit to five this year, all season. You know, it was five early season, then it drops to three for the rest of the year. Um, but this year, it's it's five throughout. And a lot of the outfitters were actually not in favor of it, you, which seems like they would be. But the problem is they they know what the the metrics are and the optics for their clients, right? They're gonna when it was three, it was easier to get a limit. You know, you got oh. you got ten guys out. You only have to shoot thirty geese to get a limit. Well, now yep. you have, you know, now you've got it's five. You know, you're like, holy crap, that's a lot of that's a lot more flocks that have to do it right for them right. to say that's they two, limited two out more per person. Yeah, right. This, to say that they limited out, it's harder to do. And mm-hmm. a lot of people have that mindset, like, well, I paid for this hunt, and if I don't get a limit, it's somehow a failure. You know, I didn't get right. my money's worth or something. It's like this is the same hunt you did last year. It's just now it's going to be harder to say you limited out. Right. Yeah. It's just that it's just being able to say that they got their limit. Right. Mm-hmm. But, some, you know, and that's, some that's one thing that the, the new Bluegill limits actually helped me on. Right. Like, so sure. in, in yeah, opposite exactly. of what you just said, yeah, exactly. our limits went down. Mm-hmm. So now it's easier to get them a yeah. limit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nine o'clock, but, 9 a.m. We're limited out. <laughs> exactly. You know, now some cases, you know, some guys are like hardcore i want my 20 bluegills to go home with so you know in that case if we do get their five on the one then we we sometimes we'll make a lake chain and get get sure. the rest off a different lake or right but, yeah 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 but and some guys are just totally content on getting their five and then just catching and releasing after that too you know what i mean which I, i'm actually even fine with that because you're still taking the pressure you know you're spreading the pressure around and not mm-hmm. not one lake is getting hammered you know yeah exactly yep so that i'm i don't even really think that's that's a bad thing Right. Sometimes a change of scenery is just fun. I mean, I've done it just because the lake we were on wasn't producing. Mm-hmm. You know, we went to, I had a trip last year, I think it was two years ago. I had a, a father and son, I took them out, and I had access to this uh, private lake, actually. We had years past caught really nice crappies out of. And um, clearly I'm not the only one that has access to it. uh it just got either either that class of fish died out they just got old and died Mm -hmm. which which does happen Mm -hmm. um or they got outfit or overfished or something but we couldn't find a crappie over 11 inches like we were Hmm. it was it was kind of tough fishing even with catching the, the even the small ones and we just weren't finding the size structure and i finally said i think we need to make a lake change and they were on board, so we just packed everything up, made a quick, quick lake change, one that was close mm-hmm. by, and uh, ended up catching fish over there, and they're, you know, better quality. So, nice. Sometimes you gotta kind of make that game time decision too, you know. Oh, 
Yep, absolutely, absolutely. You got to make decisions on the on the on the fly, right? Right, and it, yeah, you know, and I think some people don't realize how you know the 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 guide wants you to be successful. You know, it's like he if you don't have a good day because the weather conditions are tough or whatever the thing may be, um, that that sucks for a guy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. the guide is always going to be the toughest critic right yeah. like i've i've learned that your, your your toughest critic is yourself right being a being a guide but uh you know and and that's the one thing too is i'm you know with i guess with with my guide service you know we try to work around weather as best we can if, if i know that it's gonna be miserable all day if the wind's gonna be blowing 20 30 miles per hour all day and we're gonna be out in the boat all day you know crashing through waves um trying to trying to let's say we're we're trolling for copies or whatever and we're trying to maintain that speed and you know we're not going to be able to just because the the waves and the wind and everything i'll reschedule that trip i'll go mm-hmm. I'll, I, I, let me put it this way i'll give them the option to reschedule that trip and i'll i'll, I'll highly recommend it right you know, based yeah on, like here's what based we're on up my against. knowledge of how it's gonna go <laughs> yeah, you know yeah but uh um it's you know we're we're really flexible i guess as far as that goes in trying to work around you know if it's going to be a rainy day all day long and it's just going to pour and pour and pour all day on us well you know if you if 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 the customer has good rain gear and they want to go i'm all for it you know mm-hmm. i got i got the rain gear i'm all good okay. but if they don't i i get it you don't want to sit there and be miserable all day get wet and then and then be cold all the rest of the day out there, you know. Yeah, you're not gonna enjoy so, yourself for sure. Exactly, and and our number one thing is is having fun, right? Like catching fish is a bonus, you know, but having fun is 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 always the number one thing. So mm-hmm. it's tough to have fun when you're sitting there freezing or cold, <laughs> yeah. or, you know what I mean? Yeah, so absolutely. We will always try to reschedule if I see a bad weather day in the forecast. Yeah, but, you have to you you have to leave it up to the clients. I mean, that's that's you know, unless it's actual safety thing where you have to you know because you can run into the other where the clients are hardcore as can be. Oh, they're yep. like, oh, we're I, here, we don't, we're we're going. And that, you well, be that's like, the other thing. A lot of my your customers are out of state, so a lot of times they're already here. So we're a lot of times we are battling through the elements, you know, and right. And that's that's why we got good rain gear, you know what I mean. <laughs> yep. So that's why we got the best equipment. And so. sometimes you got to make that call. You're like, yeah, there's lightning, or we're looking at you know yeah, thirty five so mile yeah. hour winds. Like it's just not safe out there. Like we can't. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's only been like, so like lightning, lightning, um, obviously we've canceled trips based on thunderstorms and stuff like that. The only other thing I've really had to cancel so far a trip on is, is when we had those, uh, that, that polar vortex that one year, we had a whole bunch of them. And I think one of our windshields that morning was going to be like negative 60 or negative 65 below zero up here. I couldn't take clients out in that, you know what I mean? So like, I mean, yeah, we'd be in a shack, we'd be heat on, but let's say the heat breaks. Right. Right. And then we're out in the lake and then all of a sudden my truck doesn't start. Well, now we're stuck out there in negative 65 with no heat. My truck doesn't start. You know what I mean? So it's just not safe. Right. Well, I mean, Animal objects don't uh, experience wind chill, but if it's a sixty below wind chill factor, that means it's thirty below actual. Mm, and when you, exactly once you get to that temperature, shit just starts to break. I mean, oh, the yeah. stuff breaks. Stuff does not work the way it's supposed to. Things break down, and yeah, absolutely. you're absolutely you right. You can drill it's one like, hole, and now your auger's froze up, and then you got to take out the torch to thaw that out, and you know. Yeah, and so, that's exactly I've been there. right. And it it's, <laughs> it gets to the the point where like we're in it yeah we'll have heat and all that but this is a this is a potentially really dangerous because if something goes wrong it goes horribly wrong it's it's no exactly. uh, in, a, in a 
weather conditions like that, it's not an it's not a mild inconvenience. No, when something goes bad, it's going to go real bad. Yep, exactly. And yeah, it's not worth it. Yeah, so that's the, the those are the only two instances though. Lightning and and that sixty minus sixty windshield was the only two times I've ever really had to like, okay, we're canceling for sure. You know, we'll, right? You know, here let's try to reschedule. If you can't, here's your deposit back. Type thing, so. Do you ever uh, just when you're you have people come up and, and you're chasing big bluegills or whatever? Do you have people that like want to throw out a tip up for a pike just in case, or do you pretty much just yeah, we focus do. on yeah, absolutely. Bluegills? Absolutely. I tell guys, if you want to, by all means do it. So, and a lot of times, a lot of times that works out good because a lot of times we're not even using our second line anyways, right? So you get two lines Mm -hmm. in Minnesota with what we're doing with our running and gunning behind our live scope. So all my guides have live scopes or pan optics. So Mm -hmm. we're, we're chasing fish rather than having fish come to us. So we're pretty active. We're running and gunning. Um, but so a lot of guys are just using one line, right? So they don't have a set line to set down. So we're just running and gunning, we're jigging. Um, so a lot of guys will bring tip ups on their own and, and, and use their second line as the tip up, you know? Yeah. So we do get that quite a bit. Um, and especially cause the areas we're fishing, we focus on cabbage a lot. Um, like cabbage is our best friend and well, guess who loves cabbage? Northerns <laughs> love cabbage <laughs> too. Love so, it. so, so yeah, there's a lot of good pike opportunities by us too. Oh, so you get good weed fish up there. That's what I like to hear. That's probably yes. my favorite way to, to I, go after panfish, too. I fish probably cabbage 90% of the year, all summer long, all winter long. Um, I mean, obviously, there's time where we're basing fishing crappies and stuff like that. But, I mean, bluegills, my bluegills are in cabbage 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, if you can find good live cabbage, you're usually smiling. That's, well, that's, that's what I tell you guys. If you can find green cabbage in the wintertime, especially, mm-hmm. you can find some nice, healthy green cabbage. There's going to be fish somewhere nearby, right? Just yeah. keep running down that line of cabbage. You're going to find fish. I mean, it's do, just. Uh, do your guys uh, employ cameras very much? Yes. We, uh, yeah, we got, yep. We, so we run pan optics or live scope, pan optics. We also run a bunch of cam, Vexlar cameras. Um, we do a little bit of both because it's nice to, you know, the, the live scopes are awesome because we can see the whole water column, but the cameras are nice because we can see the bottom. You know what I mean? We can actually see see if the, the see the weeds, see if they're live, see how green they are. We can see the bottom surface. Are we dealing with mud? Are we dealing with, with sand? What do we, you know what I mean? So yep. it's it's nice to, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. We can see that on our on our electronics too based on, on color, whether it's hard bottom, soft bottom, stuff like that. But it's nice to actually get the camera down and actually see what you're working with too. Yeah, there's the, yeah. well, you can even find fish. I mean, we use, in the tournaments, we use cameras a lot. You know, mm-hmm. you just well, and the, the classic thing you is you all you're marking all them fish, you put it down, and there's a bunch of suckers, right? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, fun, a dang it. carp. <laughs> guess, yeah, I guess we'll guess we can move on, right? Like, <laughs> rather than spending like an hour just working over and back and back <laughs> right. and forth over them fish, thinking, what the heck is going on? You know? I can see them right there, they won't, bite. <laughs> right? Uh, what are they gonna bite on? And just going through your whole tackle box, you know? which can be the downside to like live scope and pan optics, right? It's like. Even if they're the targets, be even if they are the right fish, and like they're right there, but you can't get them to bite. You know, it's just like oh, that's that's you almost know, more frustrating than not being able to find them. <laughs> the, here's here's another thing too is like people always say, well, oh, now that you have live scope, you don't have to drill as many holes. Well, yes and no, right? 
I don't have to drill as many holes to like find them because I can just spin the thing around and find them. That's right. But when we're fishing the fish or when we're trying to catch the fish, yeah, we're drilling way more holes. Because right, exactly. <laughs> I don't, you know, I mean, those schools of crappies, when they're in the basin, they are moving. Yeah, I mean, they moving. only sit in one spot for like on a good day, a minute and a half, right? Yep. Um, other days, 30 seconds. So we'll get on them and now they're 40 feet over there. So now we're running over there and we're drilling and we're constantly drilling on top of the fish. I mean, that's just how we do it. Right. Um, so we're constantly drilling on these fish and, and so we're, we're actually probably drilling more holes now with our, with our live scopes than we were without, you know? Yeah. I've had that conversation before before we would just drill out a pattern. Right. And then we would just hop hole hop with our Vexars and boom, boom, boom until we found them. Well, now we're actually just drilling all day long right, right. <laughs> so you never stop drilling yeah and right, that's exactly. the same point somebody else had made there's like no dude i drill more holes with this because like yep. i said those things are moving and if they're moving really fast you almost it's almost like trying to trying to wing shoot you know you're not necessarily oh. drilling a hole on the fish you're like trying to get in front of them so by the in front time, of them. yeah if you can pattern which way they're moving <laughs> yeah. yep you're drilling 10 feet in front of them hey they're coming yeah you, know you want to get so. yeah you want to get that hole drilled in a line down to them you know let's say you're over 45 feet of water and they're suspended 15 feet 20 feet down it's like you have not only got to get that hole drill but you got to get that lure down to them by the time they get there and then mm-hmm. a lot of times exactly. they'll just take a right turn or a left turn and they'll turn around for no reason. You're like, oh crap, now they're over there. It's like people are just it's, you know, running it's, around. It's it's funny too. It's like getting guys to learn that right away. When you get a new guy, when you get a new group out right away in the mornings, like unless they've done it with us before, they don't realize how fast they're moving. So we're like, okay, here's the deal. Here's what we're gonna do. You know, as long as they're up for it. You know, we have some groups that are like, no, we're just gonna hunker down in the shack and we'll just we'll just that's how we wanna fit. Mm-hmm. We accommodate that too, but the guys that want to run and gun with us, we'll tell them right away. Okay, here's the deal. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have one of my guides running the live scope the whole time. My other guy's gonna be running the auger. You guys are gonna follow the auger wherever the auger goes. You want to be right below, right there. And as soon as he's done drilling, you're dropping in. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's why I tell guys every time. So <laughs> we start it, and then we're like, we're drilling, and we're like, okay, guys, get over here, get over here, you know. And they grab their stuff, and they're just kind of lollygagging over there. Well you got to be fast on the trot to get there. Like as soon as we're done <laughs> yeah. drilling, you got to be there putting right. that line down because by the time you get there, they're going to be gone. And so it's funny because the first few times are like, Oh, and I'm like, now they're 40 feet over here, guys. Now you got to come over. You know what I mean? Like, right. You almost just got to you know? not fit. You almost just need to stay with them and drop yep. right away. You know, it's not, it's like, um, power corking for walleyes you know it's like exactly you, just, you don't have your line in you have your line ready to be in and then you find the fish and it's like drop go now 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 yep. go 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 <laughs> get down exactly there and then yep. catch, hopefully catch one or two and then you're moving you're moving on yeah guys start to still. guys start to catch on about the fourth or fifth time we're calling them over here come on come on come on and then then you can start to know they're starting to move a little bit faster and mm-hmm. faster finally they're starting to run so yeah, it uh, they they do eventually catch on, but it's it's fun it's fun to see you know their reactions after the first couple times of them missing out big time. You know, it's a different so. it's definitely a different style of fishing, and I think a lot of your um, you know average people you know not tournament anglers you know not guys not people that you know do it as hardcore as as we do or people that fish every weekend that this. I don't think they truly know what run and gun means, you know, until they, right. I'm sure they have heard the term, you know, listening to a, a podcast or watching a show or read it in a magazine. But until they like get out there and actually see like, yeah, this is running and gunning. Like we're not yep. sitting still because exactly. a lot of people have that kind of stereotypical ice fishing is sitting on a bucket. 
you know. Mm-hmm. And I've had so many people tell me, like, oh, I just don't really get into ice fishing. It's just boring. You're just sitting there. I'm like, well, you clearly do not fish the same way I do. <laughs> right. I never I, just sit there. <laughs> it's it's funny, too, because we get a ton of guys that, that, that do exactly what you just said. Oh man, we're running and gunning, man. We we are running gunners. I mean, we'll, we'll you know we run and gun with the best of them, right? And then they <laughs> then we get them out there. We're actually running and gunning, and they're like, oh man, what? I, I you know, and they're you know they're just not keeping up. Oh, so yeah, I love it, you people... know everyone thinks that they they know the run and gun game, right? But right. We, well, you'll get somebody you know. like, yeah, dude, we drilled like 20, 30 holes today. Yep. That's it. That's exactly. Okay. Like that's it. That was a slow day. You must have been on them. <laughs> yep exactly like, what are you talking about dude i burn up every battery i got in my bag like this exactly especially when the ice out, gets like, thick i mean we're running through 10 batteries you oh know? yeah i mean 100 holes is is not out of the question i mean i'd say that's right. like close to average i mean mm-hmm. exactly just turning that lake to swiss cheese but i just don't have it in me to sit still you know and probably to at times to my detriment you know if you got those you're in like a, you know, a travel area, you know, like a, a trench or a ditch of some sort, and they're just mm-hmm. fish are just moving through there. You probably, especially if you're in like real clear or shallow water where running and gunning might be spooking the fish, you're probably yeah. better off just sitting still and waiting for them. But I can't. <laughs> I just well, that's what I think. I yeah, the the basin fish are real spooky too. That's another thing too. Mm-hmm. Is sometimes they are very very spooky. But yeah, if you get in a, a transition area where you know they're going to be coming through, or the highway, I guess you call it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that they're going to be coming through at four o'clock, five o'clock. You know, hunker down, wait them out. You know what I mean? If that's right. the you know if that's the best game plan, exactly. I mean, there's times we do that too. You know, and we know that they're going to be running right through this little. Um, um, I guess what do we call it? Um, I can't think of the name of it. Anyways, it's like a but you just know that they're coming saddle through or some kind of saddle. There you go. That's yeah. exactly what I was looking at. Yep, they're coming through this saddle, you know, and and we do have certain saddles where the crappies just come right through right before dark, and and they feed heavily when they're coming through, and then we'll just hunker down in that spot, right? Um, so we we do have spots like that, but I I tell guys, you know, you're gonna catch four to one chasing around with us on the live scope. Oh, you know, sure. I mean, the guys yeah. that are running and gunning, yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put you on fish all the time. So yeah, and there's there's been some shallow, some shallow spots too, where you almost got to go and pre-drill it out and then back out. Oh, wait for it exactly. To rest, back out, wait for it, wait for everything there. to kind of return. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> walk soft, absolutely. walk quiet. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's it's kind of crazy how stealthily you have to be sometimes. Mm-hmm. Those fish can be super skish, and then other times on the same body of water, like. You could do jumping jacks out there, and it doesn't. I, I swear it attracts them. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. The mood of the fish is totally different. Exactly. You almost have diff, diff, different applications for different stuff too. Like, especially like when you said they're really spooky, like that. You know, sometimes we'll get into like long rods, so oh, we yeah. can, you yeah. know, if we're, you know, that we can stand, you know, four or five mm-hmm. feet away from the hole and still fish that hole. I know some you know, people so. that I haven't. I haven't really personally experienced this, but I I know some people that do, and, and I trust what they say to be true. That you know they'll kick they'll kick slush in their hole because it, less light is getting through. Oh, less light. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I know people that do that too. I mean, I mean, and and I've I've done it before too. I can't tell you that I know for sure that it worked any better than not doing it, but um, I know that there's instances where we've done that. You know. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, but I again, can't, I, I've, I've done it just like you, I, but I can't really speak that it had, it's not that something where I'm like, okay, guys, 
You got to get your slush back in the hole. Yeah, I know some I'm people really – blue- I just hate trying to fish through slush, you know. You got to yeah, put on, right. a, you know, five mil tungsten and you're punching through it like you're – Well, yeah, and you're trying to yeah, you're trying to get your fishing. jig to go through right through it. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, like it's, it's the most frustrating thing when you're trying to get their line to go down and there's fish down there waiting below you. You, you know what I mean? And you can't tight line with slush in your hole. Oh, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. And I dislike doing that too much, so – I'll mm-hmm. take my chances with the with a cleaned out hole. <laughs> yeah, I, again, I I don't know the the science behind it or anything like that, but I know that that I hadn't noticed a difference one way or another. Let's put it that way. Right. How do you um? So when when you're going out, I was going to ask you one question. Now I brain switch, and I'm going to stick on ice fishing now. Um, what kind of stuff are you guys running? Live baits, plastic, a little bit of both. Um, so I run a little bit of both. I typically, um, I'm a live bait guy. I've always been a live bait guy my whole life. Right. And and don't get me wrong. There's, there's definitely times we're using plastics. Actually, I shouldn't say I'm a live bait guy. There's a lot of times, especially in open water where we're using, I don't ever buy minnows. Right. So we're using plastics for copies all summer long. Um, in the winter time, let's let, let me correct that in the winter time. I'm a live bait guy. Okay. Um, you know, we're, I'm always, using waxies or euros. Um, but I always have a plastic on. Okay. So what I typically am using, um, I, I'm not a big spoon guy. I mean, I use spoons. There's applications where I use them quite a bit, but, um, on average, you will find me using just your average four and a half millimeter or four millimeter tungsten jig. Right. And I'll tip it with, uh, I'll put a plastic on there and then I will put waxies on there and then i'll load it up with waxes and i load mine up with waxes i load mine up with as many waxes as i can <laughs> and uh and and so that's what i don't have on. faith in your plastic <laughs> well so here and, and my plastic is is it mainly the here's the reason you're right i don't use plastics to get for the fishing part so the reason i have that plastic on there is so when i'm using my live bait and i miss that fish I don't miss very many fish. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but let's say, <laughs> let's say I missed the fish, right? Yeah. I don't want to have to reel up right away and see if I, all my waxes are gone. Mm-hmm. I'll know that that plastic is still there. So I'll keep working that fish until that fish is gone or until I know that that fish is not going to bite, right? If it's neutral or whatever, right? Okay. Um, so I will just keep my line down there, keep jigging um, until that fish is gone or, you know, and then maybe I'll reel up and check. But that's why I have my plastic. That's, that's why I use my plastics, really. Um, so I guess, yeah, you could say I'm a lot big guy, um, <laughs> but, but realistically I'm only putting the plastic on. So when the live baits, you know, if I miss the fish, I know that I at least have something still on the chair. Yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a, I pretty much stick to plastics, but, um, again, I wonder if it's to my detriment at times. Like I put it this way, when I, I bring, I bring euros with me every time for every term event and then i never use them i don't know why i probably should at least try them to see if they're better i guess i don't know um i just like not having to bait my hook a lot and oh yeah i, I just feel, i personally feel like more time in a strike zone increases and, and honestly like plastics have come so far oh, in the game nowadays i mean for sure. they're so i mean some of the plastics are so much better looking than live bait or you know you know what i mean so i mean mm-hmm. I don't get me wrong. I have a lot of respect for plastics and all that. It's just, just, we just haven't really got into them a whole bunch. Let's put it that way. And I didn't have, I was kind of well, like, I, I take that it. back. That's just, I'm just telling you my preference. Right. So if you, yeah. if oh, you went and sure. talked to like my guide, Scott Magner, 
aka three thirty maniac. Right. I'm sure a lot of guys know people know him. Um, he is a plastic guy, so you'll find him using plastic ninety nine percent of the time, right? Mm-hmm. You know, versus live bait. So, um, it's just you know, all my guys are have their own preference, you know, and and uh, but we uh, we do it all. But um, again, some like plastics, some like live bait. I myself am just always been a live bait guy in the winter. I was like you, I I had very little uh, confidence in spoons, but last mm-hmm. year I started playing around with them a little more with, and I had a lot of success. And so towards well, the end of the, the season, nice thing, I started getting. I, I became a spoon guy. <laughs> oh, I I love, and some of my friends, and and even I do have one of my guides too. That's pretty much all they use the spoons, right? Um, and I I do like them, especially for when you're trying to weed through your smaller fish and, mm-hmm. and, and you know, there's some bigger ones down there, but just smaller ones are just, you can't get through the smaller ones to get to the bigger ones type deal. Mm-hmm. I'll throw a big spoon on to try to, to right. weed out some of those smaller fish. Right. And, and that, and that does work. So oh, um, it sure. definitely does have a, a time and place. And, and, and again, there's, I have a guy that pretty much uses spoons all the time. So, I mean, even on finicky bites, he still able to make it happen so yeah and i was i was surprised at how well they worked and the other leap of faith is a lot of times you're not tipping that with bait at all not a plastic not not live bait nothing it's just a chandelier down there and i I don't Mm -hmm. know why it works but it works yeah it must be something about that flash and then you know and and then obviously with the treble hook on down below it's Mm -hmm. nice too because when when they bite you're more times than not, you're not going to miss him, you know? Right. So yep. it, uh, it, 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 it is good for out weeding out good. the, the bigger or the smaller fish, you know, even stuff like K rips and, you know, uh, vibrating more minnow shaped baits too. Um, mm-hmm. Takes another little leap of faith. It just seems like it's so, it seems so aggressive, but, um, have I, you used the T rips yet? Yep. I have T rips are good. Are they good? Okay, yeah. that's one thing that mm-hmm. I have in my arsenal that I haven't really tried yet that I really want to. Yep, I like the T rips because um, they're tungsten and they'll they sink faster. So if you're on you know like basin fish, mm-hmm. if they're down twenty feet, you can get well, down there faster because those K rips. That's are what I wanted to because I had the K rips, but like you know when you're fishing when we're fishing our crappies on twenty feet and yeah. we're trying to get that down fast on a fast move at school and it's not getting down fast enough for me. Yeah, the K rips. That's why I was excited about the T's. Take a while; they don't sink fast. They don't know, um, and no. especially you know, like we were talking before, those 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 basin crappies move. Yeah, yes, they do. I mean, yes, they do. Um, but I have found, like in shallower water, those K rips are they're pretty damn good. And that, oh, I bet. And they have a different profile too, you know. So like they're mm-hmm. taller, look more like an actual like bluegill shape, small bluegill. Mm-hmm. And, and they have a good, they have a good movement in the water. Oh yeah, oh definitely. So it, it they work pretty good, I and mean, we'll even catch big bluegills on those things pretty frequently. You know, nice, nice. Yeah, they'll 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 crush those just as much as the crappies will. And that's awesome. You know, if you're in an area where it's mixed, you know, you you got a lot of short fish, and then the good ones are in there. You know, you mm-hmm. almost have to upsize or do something more aggressive, otherwise you just get pestered oh, by those little ones. You do. You spend yep. so much time taking off a <clears throat> six inch bluegill. It's like you're not, you know, talk about not being in the strike zone enough. You know. Right, exactly. And sometimes, sometimes, you know, one of the one other trick too that I've learned too, and 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 maybe this just works for me, but if you can, you know, what I've learned is if you, you know, obviously you you're raising your fish up, right? You're raising, raising up, and the fish are coming up after your jig. 
if you keep raising, a lot of times the bigger ones will go higher than the smaller ones. Mm-hmm. So um, we've learned to kind of keep going and keep going and keep going. And a lot of times those smaller ones will only get so high and then they'll go back down where your bigger ones will keep following it up. And, right. Yeah. And so. sometimes they'll just start way up, you know, and just try yeah, to get those. Yeah, right. Oh, exactly. Just try yeah. to get those aggressive, you know, not even bother. If you know there's little ones down there, it's like, well, I'm not even going down there. There's a lot of well, times it will set up where you'll, there'll be a particular depth range that the active fish or the bigger fish are in. So you know, let's oh, say you're absolutely. in 20 feet of water or 18 feet of water. You're constantly marking fish a foot off the bottom. But anytime you go down there, those fish are either neutral they don't want to bite or they're the little ones. But then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, you'll mark something suspended up at 15 and those are the fish you want. It's like, I, I won't even it's... fish a hole if I'm not marking those suspended ones. If once you oh, kind yeah, of establish sure. that, that pattern, once you know, on, yep. What yeah. the pattern is. Cause you just wasting and I tell guys even right off the bat too, when they, when we start a trip, I said, okay, here's the deal. You guys want to jig four feet off the bottom. No less. You know what I mean? Like, like I am not, especially for like what we're doing with the panfish. Like I'm, I'm not a guy that's like, okay, we're going to be jigging right on the bottom. No, I want guys jigging up top. Right. Like, mm-hmm. so I tell guys we're jigging literally at, at, at minimum four to five feet off the bottom. Okay. Um, especially when we're fishing those crappies, you know, in 20 feet of water, you know, those fish that you're pulling off the bottom, those are neutral fish. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, don't even, you don't even want to go down there. You don't, you know, don't even play with those fish. Yeah, you're just going to frustrate yourself. <laughs> exactly. Either that or you're going to catch it and you're not, it's not going to be the one you want in. Okay. I said, so always start four or five feet up off the bottom because the ones that come in on the sides or the ones that are come in at your, at your level are the ones that you're going to want. Those are going to be your more active fish. Those are going to be ones more prone to bite. They're going to be your bigger fish. So, um, I, I get, I get so frustrated sometimes too. Cause like, I'll tell guys that, you know, four to five minimum, I tell guys every time and then I'll go in there every time and they're down there right on foot off the bottom, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Get, you know, move it up, you know? So, um, it's just one of those things where you got to keep reminding them and eventually, eventually throughout the day they get it, you know, but a lot of times it's those guys that fish walleyes a lot. Right. So they're used to just pounding yeah, bottom very and, bottom and being right yep, at the bottom, yep, you know? Yep. So it's hard to get that mentality into them. Like, Hey, we're fishing panfish. We're going to move this up a little bit. You know, we're yeah. going to, we're going to be four or five feet off the bottom, you know? And so I guess, you know, a lot of guys are just so used to being, got to be in that foot to two feet off the bottom type, type range. But Wait till they stumble I, on one of those days where the crappies are cruising literally right underneath the ice. Oh and yeah. Come late ice when, when, when you're literally pointless. just, <laughs> mm-hmm. that those, are, those are fun bites. Cause then you don't even have to reel, right. There's you can so just literally fun. like dip your pole in the water, boop, mm-hmm. catch them. It's so much fun because those fish you, are aggressive. As can they be. are, but they it, are. it's also you know, like you just have to fish every hole because you don't. It's not like you can just check them with the vexilar. It's like your oh, vex, exactly. your vex is pointless. Like just mm-hmm. don't even bother with it. Yep, you're just hole hopping, stick that jig a, a couple inches below the ice, and jig it for a little bit and see if anybody's home. Move on to the next one. <laughs> exactly. No, that's a fun bite, and that's that's usually you know late ice, low oxygen type stuff. But mm-hmm. um, that's always a really fun bite. Late ice, I would say, is by far my favorite time of the year. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love early ice because, you know, you're scratching that itch. You know, you've been you've been waiting for ice fishing all summer long, and you're finally here, so you're excited to get out there. So I love early ice for that sense. But it, it, in, 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 in all reality, like, late ice is, like, my favorite. I love being able to go out there. The fish are, are 
are putting on the feed bags. I mean, they're just the oxygen's running back in the lake. They're putting, they're getting energized. They're, they're eating. It's just the bites. Awesome. And there's days I'm out there in my t-shirt. I was going to say, and it's usually warm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're whole hopping you're sweating. It's like, you know, 60 degrees. I mean, Mm -hmm. not 60, but I mean, it feels like 60, 60, right? I I mean, it's it's probably 40, 50 degrees, but it feels like 60, 70, you know? No, it could be 60. I've, I've actually literally fished. I have ice fished in 70 degree weather before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You get those really rare, warm, you know, you're at, you are at the end. I mean, you're at the end because once you, if you get a 60 or, or a 70 degree day, oh, you're sure. Boy, you're just does that chew up. up the, oh, it chew, I mean, the whole lake just starts getting honeycombed because all that water is melting and it's going through every little crack and it's just mm-hmm. eating it. It's just, mm-hmm. I want to say, I want to say 10 years or so ago, uh, it was back when my, I, I remember it because I, I was fishing with my grandpa. So it was back when he was alive, but. It was probably, it had been 10 or more years ago, but we were out there until like May 5th that year. It was just Holy a, smokes. it was just a crazy, I mean, and we, you know, and that's, you know, it's nothing for us to be on the ice in mid to late April. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just, we were for many, many years, we were out there till April 20th or the week of that, you know, so, but May 5th was a little bit, you know, um, that's, I don't remember. We we don't get on the ice in May too often. Let's yeah, put it that way. Rare. So I just I will always remember that as uh, as probably one of the last times I've or, so far to this date is the last date I've ever been on the ice. I guess. Yeah, that that's pretty late. That's yeah. Oof, that must have been a brutal winter. <laughs> yeah, but I remember it too. And it, it, again, it was like one of those days you were talking about where it was like seventy degrees. You know, it was going to be like the very last time you were out. You know. Mm-hmm. You, you so, set your you set your auger on the ice and it melts in. It's like, yeah, it's already. Melts it's, in. I was gonna say you. It's halfway already down through the ice I'm, because it I've just done melts that before on, on a day where it was really warm. I took like a a nickel and just set it on the ice, and then yeah, mm-hmm. you go back like three hours later and that thing is melted in like a good half inch, three quarters of an inch down. You're like, holy crap. Yep, exactly. Or you get like water on the ice and any hole that's been drilled just goes down at like a flushing toilet and then that thing i've seen those holes grow to be like oh three feet crazy. diameter you know yep. like, unreal where is this i'm I, always like where is this water going i don't understand mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it just just funnels right in right yeah and then it just expands the hole out it's crazy it's yeah, yeah. You know i've actually you felt through one of them before oh have you really Yeesh. yeah but, but this was weird so like I, the, I fell in like two years ago um it was weird. It was that year we had just such terrible slush, so much snow, weighted mm-hmm. the ice down. We had such a slush problem, and I was I was in my I was on my wheeler, and all of a sudden I just hit this boom. Like I I thought I was going in honestly, but I just hit a huge slush pocket. Like like the slush was probably halfway up my wheeler. I mean it was really bad. So I stepped off my wheeler to to yeah obviously try to figure out how to get out of this mess, mm-hmm. and I didn't take but two steps and I fell through a hole. So what it was is like it was an old auger hole that must have been from way earlier in the year. And for some reason, it never refroze. It just kept opening and opening and opening. And that's what created, obviously, the huge slush pocket right there. You know, it was just so bad because it just kept leaking up water through that hole. And that hole just kept getting bigger. Well, I obviously the wheeler got stuck in the slush pocket. I stepped off it and then just took one step. I was (laughs) boom. Luckily, I had my arms out. Um I actually had my cell phone in my hand. I lost my cell phone to do it because oh, no. I was trying to figure out who to call, you know, and I'm sure. looking at my wheeler and all of a sudden my cell phone, yeah, I fell through and my cell phone went down the hole. Luckily my arms caught me and uh, I was able to obviously pull myself out and figure out how to 
get home after that. But anyways, nonetheless, I, I had customers out and they were able to get me back to my truck. I drove home, changed clothes, hot shower, all that fun stuff. And then, then I got back out there and then we had to figure out how to get the wheeler out. But luckily there was some nice guy came later with his side by side and we figured it out. But Oh man, what a nightmare. Yeah. So yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it, you uh but now you're soaking wet. And, oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's, uh, it's not the first time I fell in the lake, but it's the first time in the winter that I've done so. Right, <laughs> right. In the summertime is not that big of a deal. Well, you know, the summertime too. You know, I I did it one time in May, and it was probably one of the coldest days in May too. So mm. it was definitely not the right time to do it. But uh, yeah, I was I was trying to and get this. So the I had customers in the boat. They had a huge fish on. They were reeling it. It was coming into the back of the boat, and I was extended out with my net to net the fish. Well, anyways, the fish had snapped the line, and uh, so we were all bummed out. Well, here, my 99-cent bobber is floating away from the boat, so I'm overextended trying to save my 99-cent bobber. <laughs> I'm extended out over the over my motor trying to, like, again, trying to get this 99-cent bobber, and I extended too far, and pretty soon head first, boosh, right in the water. <laughs> and, uh, man, it was cold. It, would, it, was, it, was, it was early in May. I mean, it was, like... I don't know. It was really cold, but I remember, I remember like losing my, losing my breath when I got in the water because it was so cold. I had three jackets on mind you too. And so I'm like losing my breath. I'm like trying to like, luckily I was able to grab the back of the boat, but I couldn't pull myself out because one, I was out of breath and two, I had three jackets on that were just soaked with water. So I was trying to pull myself. Yeah. I was trying to pull myself up and couldn't do it. Well, so the clients that I had in the boat actually had to come and help me back into the boat. And so they pulled me in and I bet we, we laughed for probably about 10 minutes straight. I mean, it was nothing but laughter until my laughter turned into shivering. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and then it luckily, luckily it was like four 30. It was the end of the day and, uh, we were ready to go home anyway. So I was, um, I was lucky that uh, it was the end of the trip anyways, and I was able to go home. But I remember I had to strip naked at the at the access, drive home naked because my, my, <laughs> my clothes were soaked and they were cold. And Don't so I speed. just cranked my, my cranked my heat on high and just rode home naked and jumped in the hot shower when I got home. But, yeah, luckily I didn't get pulled over. Yeah, so. don't speed. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to explain that one. Exactly. <laughs> well, I didn't fall no. into the lake this past spring, but I I – I had to get wet because I, speaking of cell phones, I had dropped my phone in the drink. Oh, no. And, uh, yeah, it was so stupid, too. So I had my phone, like, in my pocket, like, jacket pocket or whatever, or Bib's pocket, and there was a, an eagle watching us fish. I'm like, I wonder if he'd eat, you know, I caught, like, a little bluegill. I'm like, I wonder if he'd eat this, you know. So I, I thumped the bluegill, and I go to I go to throw it out there in the water. And when I threw, when I threw it, I heard something bounce off the boat and go into the water. And I'm like, what the hell is that? I'm like, what? And I'm looking around like, what could that possibly have been? I didn't have anything on the deck. I didn't know. Then the light bulb went off. And I'm like, I went, oh, no. And I checked my pockets. I'm like, that was my phone. And I have, my case is camo, but it has like blaze orange on the edge of it, on the face Mm -hmm. of it. And it's all camo on the back. Thankfully, it Landed on the bottom, face up. We're in about six feet of water. Mm. Um, not super clear water, but clear enough. Like we we found it a couple of times, but mm-hmm. then it was a matter of like getting it right. The first time I jumped, <laughs> so I stripped down to my skivvies, and the first time I jumped in, I'm like, "Well, this isn't any good. I can't open my eyes underwater. I can't see anything." 
And if I try, I'm just going to stir up the bottom like this is this is a bad idea. So we and of course we didn't have the presence of mind the first time to actually drop a waypoint. So Ah, uh, yep. we lost it and it took us a, a long time to find it again. We found it and this time we dropped the waypoint. So that definitely helped cuz we we kept losing it. And then finally I came up with the idea. So I you know what? Let's go to shore. Let's get a I'm going to find a branch, big long branch, and then when we find it again, I'm going to stick this branch into the bottom right next to my phone. That way I can dive down and just use the stick as a guide. And uh, that that worked. So Did it work? Yeah, oh, long wow. story short, that worked. But it took like it took us probably half hour to get this phone out of the lake and believe it or not, it still worked. So it was Did it, was, it really? Wow. Yeah, it was kind of uh it was kind of tweaking out for a couple of days while it You dried. must have had a good case on that. It, well, it's an otter box, so it's not a life proof. Oh, okay. So it wasn't waterproof, but it, it um, but I think the newer iPhones are, you know, water resistant up to a certain depth for a certain, certain amount depth, of time. Sure. Yeah. And so the, the speaker was kind of wonky for a while. Cause that's the only thing that's not really sealed, you know, the charging mm-hmm. or the charging port rather. And, uh, there was a time I thought I was going to have to get a new phone. Cause there was like one day where it just wasn't really, wasn't taking charge or the, everything was kind of wonky. And then it, it cleared out and it I'm, came still, around, I'm huh? still using that phone, uh, today. So. so so the real question is, did the ego take the fish? No, it never did. I think it sat there and laughed its ass off at, at the really pasty white guy <laughs> in his underwear. <laughs> we, that's funny. We actually were able to uh, feed an eagle this winter on the ice. And that's, oh, sweet. That's that's pretty cool. That's I think those cool. those you see those videos in like Alaska where they like throw up a a salmon carcass and the eagle just catches it in midair and that's that stuff is just bad that's pretty cool yeah, yeah. That stuff is cool as we uh we um we didn't get that but i did get it on video we were uh it was weird too because we were me and my guides were sitting there we had a big group out and and everyone was catching crappies so we had like you know two crappies by this hole two crappies by that hole and and we were standing there and i look up and i'm talking i don't remember if i was talking to a customer or one of my guides and and uh, all of a sudden, I look up and there's this eagle, like just literally doing circles right above us, like really close to us, too, mind you. And uh, as soon as I look up, he's flying right at me. So oh I'm like, God. I'm like, dude. And 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 my, I don't remember if it was a customer or one of my guides looks up and sees the same thing. And he literally comes down right in front of us, right by our feet, and tries to pick up a crappie that we had laying like right in front of us. I mean, this literally like a couple feet in front of us, tried to pick it up, got it about like six inches off the ground. And then it fell out of his hands and, and fell back down. Hmm. So at that point we grabbed it, obviously and put it in the bucket so mm-hmm. we could keep our fish. <laughs> but I'm... then I said, well, obviously, and then he flew off to the tree line, right, right beside us. And, and was just sitting there watching us. Well, I told the guys, I said, obviously he's hungry. I said, the next time we get a small bluegill, let me know. And I'm going to see if this, this guy will eat it. Right. So sure enough, Five minutes later, oh, got a small bluegill. So uh, we uh, we went over there and uh, we walked over there. And I recording actually, my guide walked over there. He had the little bluegill, the bluegill in his hand, and he kind of waved it up in the air so the the fish would see him waving the bluegill. And then he tossed it towards the uh, eagle's way. And as soon as he tossed it, that eagle came off the perch and came flew and got it. Now he didn't get it midair, but once the once the fish landed on the ice, mm-hmm. the eagle came and just picked it right up, and so I got it all on video. So it was pretty cool. That's, that's pretty first sweet. time we've ever had to. First time we've been able to do that. So. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. You know, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more. Where like an eagle, you know, takes because people leave fish on the ice all the time. Yeah, um, I'm surprised they don't just like 
jack people's Well, you fish. see it. You see it. Like you said, <laughs> you see all the videos from Canada where it happens all mm-hmm. the time, right? And and yeah, you would think it happened more here because you know our eagle population has been exploding. Like, oh, for sure. You know, years ago, you you know, obviously they're extinct and you didn't see any, but now they're all over. Not mm-hmm. extinct, I shouldn't say, but you know, on on the brink of it, I guess, or whatever, endangered. Um, but now now they're everywhere up here. I mean, every lake you have one or two eagles flying around and, mm-hmm. and so i mean just i'm surprised like you said we don't we don't run into that more often where they're trying to steal our fish you know yeah well alaska does have just i mean way more eagles though i mean it they just it's it's a it's incredible how many eagles they have up there like it, especially it, I would those love to salmon go. camps and stuff it's just it's unreal. oh i bet it's like heaven, heaven for they're, them. Yeah, it's, they're probably like seagulls up there, but I think they have a shit ton of seagulls <laughs> up there too. <laughs> right? <laughs> have you been up there? I have not, but I've just I've seen a lot I of mean, videos. Yeah, I'm fascinated. I, 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 really, with, I don't know why I haven't been up there yet because I'm absolutely fascinated with Alaska. I want to go. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that's definitely on bucket the, list. It's uh, on the to do list for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. That's not like a long weekend. I've heard everybody that I know that's gone out there, like, you have to go for 10 days. They're like, a week, is, a week isn't enough. Because it's so far away, you know, a good day and a half generally is like travel. So mm-hmm. it's like you need, you know, and then you're weary from travel. It's like you, you yeah, need, I was going to say, then you need a day of recovering from yeah, traveling. Pretty much. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, and, so and then, they say, then you got three days shot right there. And there's just so much to do. I mean, there's just there's yeah. so much to do up there that they're like a week. A week trip is not enough. You need mm-hmm. even ten days, but pretty cool. I, I How do you guys? Um, real quick, before I wrap this up. Uh, yeah. What's your as you get into um, out of winter, into spring, into summer? Um, how do you guys operate during the spawn? Do you target those spawning fish? Do you give them a break? And uh, there's no right or wrong answer. I don't. I don't have a you know, this is no, like a no, gotcha that's a, that's a, that's just... a real, that's probably a real touchy area for some. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So with us, we are catch and release only. Okay. okay. Um, we, we do, you know, people hire us year round, right? So that people hire us during the spawn and we need to put them on fish and that's where the fish are. So yes, we do catch fish off, off the spawn. We are very, very adamant about catching them, releasing them right away having them go back to their beds honestly and they do mm-hmm. so i can tell you that uh what what we're doing is not um a, f- a thing so we've caught the same fish off the same bed four days in a row yeah i believe it. i have <laughs> i have a picture of the same fish with four different groups off the same bed that's great so we re- you know we'll release the fish and it's, it's almost kind of scary at first because – so when we release these fish, right, they don't just automatically go right back to the bed. Mm-hmm. So we release the fish, and they're a little startled at first, right? So they'll go back in the water. They kind of swim a little bit slow, but then they're just kind of slowly making their way. And you're like, God, is he going to go back to his bed? Is, is he? You know? Well, you come back the next morning, he's right on his bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like eventually they go right back to their bed, you know? Yeah. Um, so and, – and, and honestly, like – I think I don't know how long it takes for them to actually go right back on the bed. I don't think it takes that long because it's not enough time where the other fish come in and eat those eggs, right? Like there's still there's there's still there's still eggs there. They're still protecting it. Everything's still good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how long it honestly takes them to go back, but I do know they go back. I don't have so. a super strong opinion one way or the other because. Uh... 
I think it's a hard thing to quantify, but I know I had a, I, it's been brought up to me before, and I can't remember who said it, but it was like a famous angler, Bill Dance or somebody. I don't, I don't remember who it was. I was watching a TV show, and he's like, here's the thing. It's like when you take a fish out of – when you take a fish out of that lake, at any time of the year, that fish is not spawning again. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you could you could be – somebody would yell at you for catching that fish during the spawn. But if you caught and kept that fish a week before the spawn, nobody said a thing, even though it is jam-packed full of eggs. Oh, true. You know, yeah, how many I fish you, yeah. How many fish yeah. you clean so exactly all the way along that are full of eggs? Oh, well, that, yeah. that that that's a would-be spawning fish that you just killed. Right. Like it's not same thing like, with the fall. Even or same thing in the summer after the spawn. Right, they sure. may not have spawn in it, but right. that's another spawning fish that you would have next year. Right? Exactly. So it's like it so doesn't. I, yeah, so I, I, I get both arguments. I'm like, I never really heard that when he when he said, I was like, you know, that actually makes a lot of sense. He's mm-hmm. like, it's not. I'm so no matter what, that fish isn't spawning again. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Nope. I get. I totally get that mentality. My my thing is like. I don't like the guys that are going and, and, and raping the beds and keeping all them fish, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel that that's wrong, right? Um, the, the, they're obviously very susceptible to overharvest at, at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, they um, normally will are very aggressive and will will hit anything. So we're very, like I said, we're very we're very adamant, very strong, opinionated on on catching it, releasing it right away, letting it go back and do its thing, okay? Um, and, and the only reason, like I said, the only reason we probably still target them on beds during that time is because that's our business. Right. So like, right. it's hard for us to find a good bluegill bite during that time out deeper water. Right. You know, mm-hmm. cause they're all up spawning. Right. So, it, and, and people are paying us to put them on fish. So it's our job to find out where the fish are and put them on fish. Now we do have rules and we, the guys that book during that time know those rules, right. They know that. Right we're going to release those fish. Right. And honestly, I have the same group of guys every, like the, the typical bluegill spawn is the first week in June. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's when the big boys come out to play. I have the same group of guys that I've had probably for the last seven years, um, come up every single year during that time frame. Nice. So, um, they know the drill, they know, they know how we operate. Um, you know, so it's, it's, um, it's one of those things where we're, where I feel like we're doing it in a good way. Sure. You know what I mean? If, you know, being that we have to do it, I guess. And depending on the lake or depending on the year, you know, not every fish is spawning at the same time. You know, there could, there could right. be on beds, think of that. Like if you really wanted to fish fry that night, you'd probably jump out to the weed line or the basin and find a school of fish to. You could, it's just going to be a little bit tougher and, and stuff yeah, like right, that. Right, yep. right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But no, it's, 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 uh, it's, uh, so far, like I said, it's been working, working pretty good. Sure. Sweet. So. Well, Jesse, give uh, thanks very much for doing this. Appreciate it. I'm glad I got to meet yeah. you at the Hardwater Expo. Yeah, no, it was great. I'm glad we got, uh, I know, I know we tried to do this a while back, you know, and it didn't really work out, but I'm glad we, we were able to do it and make it happen. And, and, uh, are you going to be at some... the St. Paul show? I am not. So okay. like, uh, we, we just, we are probably done with shows for the year just because, okay. um, booked. <laughs> now we start, we're starting our season Friday. So, yeah, I mean, like so we awesome. got, we got tomorrow to scout. We got Wednesday to scout Thursday is obviously Turkey day. So I let my guides, you know, go, go eat Turkey with their family. Mm-hmm. And then Friday we're starting trips. I mean, so, awesome. and then once we start trips, it's like, it's not a gradual, we're not gradually getting into the season. It's like, uh, you flip the switch and we're, 
we're it's we're time. like full bore. Yeah, it's yeah. go time. So well, let everybody know and, where they can find you and how to get a hold of you. Yeah, you know, um, you know, my phone number three two zero two nine zero two zero three five is the best way to get a hold of me. Um, otherwise, you can find us all over Facebook. Um, Facebook, uh, we have a Facebook page for the business Thalman's Guide Service. Um, I have my own personal Facebook, Jesse Thalman. Feel free to reach out to me at either spot. Um, we also have a web page, so thalmansguideservice.com, and that's probably the best way to contact us. Awesome, dude. This we do fun. also have we do also have an Instagram, also uh, although I'm very bad at keeping that updated. Well, you so. better get that TikTok fired up, buddy. Well, hey, you know what? I do have a TikTok, by the way, <laughs> only for the simple fact I had to figure out what my kid was watching all the time. You know. <laughs> Oh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm on TikTok. What are you doing? Oh, I'm on TikTok. What is this TikTok? You know, so I had to get TikTok. And, you picking up any and dance then, moves? Oh, man. You know, that's a, such a addicting app. You oh, know, I didn't even worst, realize it. Like, it's the you know, worst. Once I, I'm pretty good about actually not like opening the app, right? Like I won't, I'll only open it like once a week. But when I do open it, I'm like sucked in for like yeah, two hours yeah, straight just yeah. watching video. Next video. thing you know, you get the annoying guy with too big a smile and he's telling you not to not to be on TikTok anymore. You're like, shut up, dude. <laughs> do what I want. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I, I've actually made two videos on TikTok. So anyone listening to this, got to go like my two videos I made on TikTok. Is it the, I'm like is it the, eagle, is it the eagle one? In the making. Huh? Is it the eagle one? Because you should put that on no, TikTok. Oh, gosh, sure. I should. So I have so many videos that, like, I want to put on TikTok, but I don't know, like, what cool, like, music to, like, Ask your pair kids. it to. Huh? Get your kids involved. Get them. They'll, they'll tell I, you. I probably need to. Yeah. I probably need to. Get some, but, young, get some young blood in there. That's right. That's right. But just remember, everyone listening, TikTok sensation in the making right here. <laughs> in just the making. Moment. Yep, you got it. You heard it right now. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Oh, well, maybe I'll try to get up there and see you guys this winter. Be sweet. Yeah, come on, come on, uh, come on. We'll uh, we'll we'll shoot some videos and some uh, some pictures, and then we got to figure out how to like put them on your podcast so people can see that. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> that's what tagging no. is for on on the social that, media. That's right. That's right. That'd be awesome. No. All right, dude. I really appreciate it. Hey, no problem, man. I appreciate having me on the show. You bet. Have a good night. You too. Bye. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.